everybody and welcome back to another episode of the WM32 Football Podcast. I hope you missed us. Uh, we apologise, you know, for the short break, but we are back and ready to talk everything football. I'm here joined by Wes uh, and me and Wes today will be discussing about Jose Mourinho's dismissal, which came as a shock uh, to everyone. It was announced uh, on Monday that Jose Mourinho was sacked uh, by Tottenham Hotspurs and today myself and Wes we will be delving into um, the, the dismissal you know what went wrong what could what could he have done to change things and just looking at the future of Tottenham Hotspur now that Mourinho is out of the club so Wes good to have you here how are you doing yeah all good now as well it's been a whirlwind um, kind of 24 hours for the world of football um, yeah, but yeah, no, really, really good to be back. Obviously, we've had a bit of an extended break, um, extended yeah. international break almost, if you like, um, just to, due to other commitments, unfortunately. But no, really, really good to be back um, once again on the podcast, talking football and yeah, talking about Jose. So uh, let's get cracking, shall we? Let's get cracking. So um, I guess my first question, because um, we've actually done, you know, a Coach's Insight episode on Jose. Um, and that was also during a time where Tottenham was struggling a bit in terms of form. And we delved into Jose Mourinho as a coach, his career, his tactics, everything. But I guess now we just kind of go straight into it. What's your reaction after everything? Like your the, the, the dismissal, everything? Yeah, I think obviously that, that coaching insight one and that episode was more about Jose and his career. Whereas this now today seems like we're going to just talk about his time at Tottenham. Um, the timing of this announcement dismissal if you like is so strange so strange like we have a cup final on Sunday against Manchester City um, which most Spurs fans I think aren't holding out too much hope because even if City play their their Champions League uh, game against PSG on the Tuesday you look at their B team and that could probably still compete for the Premier League um, so yeah we're a little bit um, I wouldn't say on edge but I guess there's that that sense of well, we're probably going to get beat anyway because of who we're playing. Um, and actually, it's quite interesting because if there's anybody that you would really want in a one-off game, a cup final or whatever like that, it, you know, you would argue you'd want Jose Mourinho there to get you over the line, um, which was essentially what he was brought in for. Um, but yeah, the timing of it's really, really strange. I think, you know, I look at perhaps this season and I think there's a, perhaps a couple of points where it made a bit more sense for him to leave or get sacked or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. The first one was Chelsea at home. Um, for any Spurs fan that watched that or for anybody that watched that game, Tottenham were pathetic, um, absolutely pathetic. Like it was one of the worst performance performances, forget the scoreline or anything like that. Just the performance itself was pathetic. Didn't lay a glove on Chelsea. Um, and, you know, most Spurs fans know that that is one of the big games in the season. Um, you know, it's a massive rivalry between the two clubs, properly hate each other. Everybody knows, like, the Battle of the Bridge and things like that um, and, and, and whatnot. But we just did not turn up at all on that day. And, yeah, pathetic. Didn't lay a glove on Chelsea at all. And they had a, you know, a, almost a Sunday morning stroll in, in the park kind of thing. Um, so he could have gone then because of the state of the performance. Um, Dinamo Zagreb in the Europa League away, um, that was another one. Um, I did a live watch along on, a, on, another, um, on another channel um, that lasted three hours and 20 minutes, which was really, really, int- which was uh, 
a bit of a slog, but um, yeah, obviously we went to extra time, but to be 2-0 up, um, you know, from the first leg, yes, Mourinho sent out a very strong team as well, but to then not get over the line with that was not good enough. I think the players massively let Mourinho down that night um, and it was almost from then you could tell that the players weren't playing for him. Um, so then that's a, that's one that, you know, a situation or a scenario where he could have gone then. Um, United, I think that game's being highlighted a little bit because you're, when Kane comes out, or there's rumours that Kane is looking to potentially move on in the summer, you've got to do what you can to try and keep him. Um, you know, we're going into that United game, one nil up at half time. I think what seventy around the seventy minute mark. You know, game's one one, a tight game could literally go either way. Um, and he brings on Moussa Sissoko to try and win the game. And every Spurs fan was a bit confused because Moussa Sissoko is not going to win you a football game. Um, so perhaps could have gone then, but then even even on Friday against Everton. Um, you know, you, you know that Calvert Lewin's not playing yet. You decide to play three centre halves. It's almost like well, what they defended against. There's no focal point for Everton. The focal point's not there. Um, so, and ultimately, that that was the final straw. But um, yeah, the timing strains. Like, could he have gone maybe after the cup final? Right. You know, if he goes after the cup final, you know, if we win the cup final, perhaps he gets a bit more credit in the bank because he's delivered on what his objective was, which on the face of it, the outside looking in was to deliver a trophy. Um, so if he does that, then it, although was it a case of if he does that, you know, Daniel Levy's got a difficult decision to make um, because, you know, how can you sack a manager that's won you a trophy when you haven't won one for 13 years? Um, you know, really, really difficult decision. But then if he lost the cup final, you'd go, right, well, he was brought in to get us over the line in these types of games and he hasn't done that then he could go um, or even just wait till the end of the season. Um, again, you know, could have, could have perhaps waited till the end of the season. And then, you know, we look at, we look at getting somebody else in. So timing of it's really, really strange. I know the whole announcement of this European Super League has, has happened as well and, and, and whatnot. And I'm sure we will delve into that at, at some point. Yeah. Uh, a few more details get released. So yeah, the timing of it is the strangest thing um, for me regarding Mourinho and his sacking. And uh, I think, like you said, he was brought in to deliver and obviously the cup final this weekend, that was a potential opportunity to potentially, you know, prove that, you know, prove his case that it was the right appointment, you know, because you got, that would have been your first trophy since 2008, obviously. But this is actually the first time in Jose's managerial career that he's left without actually winning anything, um, which was a shock to me. Um, just because, like you said, that's he's a specialist. And I think I've read an article saying that he's now, there's a potential point, a perspective that people will look at him that, you know, he would become something that he didn't want to be, which was a specialist in failure, which he said, obviously, to my manager at the time, Arsene Wenger. Um, what do you think, Jose, is there anything you feel like he could have done differently, you know, during this time to avoid a sack? I know you mentioned a few key points, um, you know, for these certain games, Chelsea. Um, Zagreb, um, anything you feel like he could have done differently throughout his managerial career, maybe management of players, etc. Um, well, the fact that Mourinho 
has not won a trophy or the first club he's not won a trophy at is Tottenham just defines the term of Spursy, by, by the way. Um, you know, it was, it was, I think there was that slight narrative going that, you know, the joke was flying around that Jose won't probably win a trophy with Spurs and it's just typical Tottenham, you know, the whole Spursy thing. But I guess in answer to your question, I guess the easy answer is just, you know, win more football matches. Yeah. Essentially that, you know, we're in a results driven business um, and essentially he's not one or enough. I wouldn't say too many because I think over his his time since he's appointed, I think, uh, is it United, Liverpool and City, the only teams that have picked up more points than, than Tottenham. Um, so, yeah, the, the easy answer is, you know, win more football matches. Um, I think there's there was some strange goings on. Not especially, I wouldn't say from the start, um, because it looked like there was a difference in the Tottenham team in terms of how we were playing in the, in the, um, when he, you know, in that time period where he came in, uh, certainly initially at the start or in his, the start of his reign last season. Yeah. Um, I think he addressed a certain area of the team that needed addressing in terms of that ball winning midfielder with Hoiberg. And I think Hoybert has been brilliant on the whole. Um, maybe a couple of sticky performances here and there, but I think, like I say, on the whole, he's one of the first names down on the team sheet. Um, but then I look at him like there's a few things that I'm like the signing of Matt Doherty, and it's like, okay, yeah, we needed a right back. And yes, you know, he speaks in a documentary about him being aggressive, but it's like, you know, Matt Doherty's not really a you know a signing that you go. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, as a fan, I'm not what getting excited by that prospect of us signing Matt Doherty. And that's no disrespect to him because it's not his fault, but it's just not one. It's just not a player that, as a fan, you go, oh, I'm so glad we've got him because he was really, really good at his previous club. Um, and it was a strange signing anyway because he'd played certainly in the Premier League as a wing back, and then he was coming in to be. Uh, competition or first choice right back completely different um so you know there's that obviously the 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 man management of players i think under Mourinho has ultimately let him down yeah. i look at you know the treatment of tongi and dombele in the first instance was strange considering you know this this was a player that was coveted by some of the top clubs in Europe and he chose Tottenham. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you've got a gem on your hands and all of a sudden it's like, I'm going this way or, you know, and it's like, well, what does he have to do essentially to get in the team? Um, and then I think there was some crunch talks between Ndombele, Mourinho and whatnot in the summer and coming into this this season, and and Dombele's been been brilliant, I think, for Tottenham. Um, I know there's been a few fans that are saying he's been a bit hot and cold, certainly recently, but I still think he's been a bright spark in a struggling team. Um, you know the way he attracts players to him and just rolls them either way. It's like this is like the second second coming of Moussa Dembele, who's like the greatest of all time. So, you know. Um, yeah, and then I look at like coming into this season, it's like you know the likes of Winks and Delhi and Bale to a certain degree. Yeah, it's like what and Joe Roden as well, prime example. I think like what do these guys almost have to do to get in the team? Because surely, like surely anybody can see that 
defensively we're making too many errors. Well, we've got a centre-half in Joe Roden, who actually has probably been our best centre-half this season when he has yeah. played. Just give him a run. Give him a run in the team. And I think loads of fans have cried out for Joe Roden to play. And I know he's played in the last couple of games and, and whatnot, but he's been, he's been brilliant, you know. Um, you know, how can we get Delhi into the team? Well, it, OK, it looks like at one point it was going to be very, very difficult to get him in the team in terms of the balance and the way we were playing. However, you've still got a talented footballer there. People still only forget that Deli Ali is just turned 25, yet people are writing him off. He's, he's got the he's like comeback season almost. He's got that time to be able to come back almost. And we can see what we have seen from Delhi previously. Um, you know, the, the treatment almost to Gareth Bale has been really surprising. Whether Mourinho wanted him or not, it's like you've got, You've got a global superstar. Use him. <laughs> Use him. Pochettino at Tottenham never... The, the, the downside with Mourinho as well is he was always getting compared to Poch as yeah. well. But you think, like, Pochettino at Tottenham never had a global superstar. Never had a global superstar. He almost turned players into global superstars. Jose had global superstars. He's got Kane in his prime. He's got... Bale, he's got Son, who's now a global superstar. He's got Delhi, who's a superstar. You know, and it was almost like, why aren't we getting the best out of them? Um, so I know the recruitment isn't solely down to Mourinho, but yeah. I do think there was some holes in that recruitment, and there were some things there that you're looking at, and you're going, really? Like bought in Vinicius, we were crying out for a backup striker. We get one in, and Vinicius is handy, by the way. He is a decent yeah, centre forward. Yeah. Um, and it's like we've not used him like at all. I swear we're the only club that could get a decent backup striker and like fob him off pretty much. Um, listen, do I think Vinicius is worth the forty-five million pound that is you know the clause that we've got to pay if we want to sign him? No, I don't think he's that good. However, he is a more than able deputy or second striker to have in a squad and in a team yeah. when you play a lot of games and when you're in four competitions. So, yeah, I think in terms of Mourinho, it was his man management and almost mismanagement of the squad at times that let him down. No worries. Um, and before we move on to, you know, who Tottenham have announced to replace him, you know, for the, for the short term and stuff, um, I guess sum up, his kind of best moments. So what for you seeing him since he's come in, which might be difficult to, you know, pick out a few best moments, but it could even be a player that you've like you've enjoyed see, you know, become even better under Mourinho. But I guess what's been kind of like the highs and I guess what's been kind of been the really low lows. Like if you could pick out maybe one of each um Probably the high of Mourinho's reaction to Sterling not getting sent off. Um, that was that was box office. Um, and I was I was actually in attendance in that game and was, you know, just saying from that, like, look, 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 Jose's off, Jose's off. Um, I think from a personal perspective, um, I was very fortunate to be at the North London Derby when when 2,000 fans were allowed in. Um and saw him walking out to do uh, a press conference. Obviously, at the time, we were top of the league. So, um, you know, I was singing Jose Mourinho, he's top of the league. And he gave me a little 
little one of those. So he was buzzing. Um, but yeah, I think some of his press conferences have been really, really good. Like, I think Jose as a person has been enjoyable at times for, you know, the, 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 the things that come with Mourinho in terms of those press conferences yeah. and things like that. I think they've been really, really enjoyable to watch because you always get a little, a little nugget. And actually, I think for the first time, Tottenham had a manager that really stood up for them and wasn't, wasn't willing to almost roll over um, and have a bite back at the media. And I don't think we've had that before. Um, yeah. But yeah, to say that the highlights were probably, you know, the 6-1 at Old Trafford. Um, the way we played that day, I was like, wow, wow. That was the Tottenham team that we could all get behind. Um, obviously, the 2-0 against Arsenal, I think that that probably is a highlight, but it should have been more, like the scoreline should have been more emphatic. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that Arsenal team that day was probably the worst Arsenal team that I've ever seen. Um, and we, there was a real opportunity there for us to make a statement. You know, if we'd have beaten Arsenal, say, 4-0 at home, as an example here, um, I think then we'd have probably kicked on a little bit more. But because it was, it was like 2-0, right, that's it, job done protect what we've got that kind of thing um but yeah i mean in terms of the lows i think you know i mentioned before chelsea at home pathetic um zagreb away pathetic um west ham a home and away you could argue um yeah. obviously blown a three goal lead you know in, inexcusable but the defending in, in the game at the london stadium recently was you know if if an under eight team on a Saturday morning defended like that, you'd be asking questions, let alone professional sports sportsmen. Um, so yeah, there's been there's been a few lows. Um, I, I even look back to last season, Bournemouth away, horrific. Didn't get a shot on target in 90 minutes, and Bournemouth for fighting relegation. What's all that about? Um, Sheffield United away was alarming. At the time, very, very alarming. We got ripped apart that day by Sheffield United, who are now relegated from the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. so, um, yeah, there's been a few kind of moments where things haven't gone, obviously, to plan for Mourinho. But I think it's almost like, what are we judging Mourinho on here? Because he's not had a full season at all. Um, so, you know, it's all like, well, what, you know, he took us from 14th to 6th last season, got us into Europe. Um, so he did really, really well with that. But then coming into this season, it was like, right, can we kick on? Bought in seven players. Um, as I mentioned, beat United 6-1 at the start of the season at Old Trafford, you know, beating Arsenal to go top of the league. And then it's just been the decline almost since then. Um, you know, obviously getting out of the Europa League in horrific fashion and things like that. Got us to a cup final, domestic cup final for the first time in six years. Um, but that's... That's kind of it, really, with 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 Mourinho and, and Tottenham. Like that's it. Like there's no, I guess the the sacking's gone under the radar because of the Super League uh, thing. But at the same time, it's like, well, was that it? It's almost like it's almost like you've got you're watching a program or you're watching a movie and it's just almost cut like really really short yeah. or it's you know. You're watching something and you're expecting a big kind of anti-climax and there was just yeah. like nothing. There was yeah, just nothing. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess those were the sort of moments uh, during Jose's time at at at, um, at Tottenham. Brilliant. Well, I, I do think 
in the near future, because um, I think Jose, like I think for many who didn't see, Jose posted something on his Instagram, which is something that he's been using a lot more often. Um, to like you said, Jose the person I think has been refreshing. Like you said, his press conferences. I think he's kind of found himself more. Um, and I think yeah, he posted something regarding you know the paparazzi just following him everywhere. Um, he had an interview with Sky as he was packing his car. Like it was just, and I think he said that he was still remaining in football, which kind of gave a, a hint to him maybe having something in the works already, something that he had planned. Um, but I do think Jose will probably come out later to discuss more regarding his second. So we'll have to wait and see about that. But um, you, Tottenham have announced where's the you know Ryan Mason interim manager until the end of the season. Um, just to give you guys a bit of info Ryan Mason is 29 years old that's the same age as my boy Sonny 29 years old like uh, I think he's, he is the youngest manager in the league right now uh, but yeah and probably the youngest I'm not sure if he's the youngest manager in Premier League history when he you know has his first match um but we'll probably, yeah we'll, we'll probably find out we'll probably find out on, uh, on Wednesday when we when we play Southampton um but yeah, obviously Ryan coming in knows the club, yeah, inside out, um, and everything. Tottenham fan, um, and and whatnot. Interesting as well that he's um, was chosen. I think a lot of people were asking why hasn't it been Ledley, um, yeah. but you know I think Mason has has probably been coaching a bit longer. Um, obviously forced to retire at the age of what twenty five uh, due to an unfortunate head injury. Um, yeah. I mean, the announcement of Jose come out the blue and then to hear that Ryan Mason was taken over was a bit like, OK, um, right, here we go. Um, got some good experience, though, it seems, um, in and around him with Chris Powell um, and Nigel Gibbs as his two assistants. Um, obviously, Chris Powell been a manager in, I know it's obviously a different level, but he's been a manager, so, you know, you would hope that Ryan would be able to lead on him a little bit um, and just, you know, Hopefully, Chris will give him some good advice um, along the way in these next however many weeks. Um, Nigel Gibbs, experienced coach as well. Um, and Ledley King still remaining at the at the football club. And, and he's got Michelle Vaughan in, which was really, really surprising, by the way, that Michelle Vaughan's now back as a, yeah. as a goalkeeping coach. He seems to be that, um, that guy that's just hanging around at the minute, Michelle Vaughan. Um, obviously, we, we let him go um, last season. Um, and then brought him back uh, when Hugo Lloris suffered a, an elbow injury. Um, and then his contract was running until the end of that end of last season. And now he's back again. It's like we just can't get rid of Michel Vorm, it seems. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see, obviously, how, how he gets on and, and whatnot. I think as a player, I wasn't necessarily Ryan Mason's biggest fan. Um, yeah. The fact that him and Nabil Bentaleb kept Moussa Dembele out of the team at one point really, really grinded on me. Because um, I was like, how can you leave Moussa Dembele out of this team? Yeah. Um, but look, he, he understands the... I'm not saying that Mourinho didn't understand the club because I think, um, you know, Jose is is a person that looks to ingrain himself in, in any football club. And I think you, you could see that. Um, but no, I think Mason, you know, look, he might have, I wouldn't say the respect to the players, um, but I think, you know, all of a sudden now the like, those that are on the fringes have got that second chance. Um, yeah. Danny Rose might come back in from the cold. Um, yeah. You know, he knows the players 
as well. Like he he's probably played alongside some of them, majority of them. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on for the final what six six games of of, of the season plus the plus the cup final. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it just because, like you said, I think it'll be it's quite early to we've never seen him manage a game before, so we wouldn't know what you know tactically how he would set up, you know man management. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, especially in the cup final. Like I personally wouldn't blame him. Obviously, I think you mentioned there's a fan base you kind of admit I wouldn't say admit defeat, but it's like okay, we're playing City, like it's City who are were just recently on route to try and get a quadruple. So, um, I'll, yeah, if you, if you guys were to lose on the weekend, I wouldn't blame him. But if you guys were to win, then I think credit should go to him too. I think, depending on obviously how you set up for the game. Um, so he has his last six games and it's obviously likely that he's not going to remain, you know, for long term. So you, Wes, you yourself as a coach, you know, who would you like to see Tottenham bring in like? Because, I see the next manager coming in. They essentially get a fresh start. You know, pre they've got pre-season available to them. They've got the whole of pre-season to get the players that they would want. Who do you think, or if you had to create, uh, you know, a list of candidates, maybe a top three, who would you potentially like to see come in at Spurs? Um, this is really, really interesting because I think it's also or one potential target for Tottenham I think also coincides with the timing of the sacking and I'll okay. go into a bit of detail on that now Julian Nagelsmann it appears is the number one target Wow. now I don't know if Levy's pressed the panic button because Hansi Flick announced that he's leaving Bayern Munich um, now there's rumours that he's taking the Germany job after Joachim Love now if Levy's pressed the panic button to sack Mourinho to then get Nagelsmann in because he's afraid, essentially, that Nagelsmann will slip through his net and he will end up at Bayern, then, you know, Nagelsmann seems, and I don't, don't mean this term disrespectfully because I think he's, you know, he's regarded as one of the most up-and-coming young coaches in the game, but he seems to be that flavour-of-the-month kind of coach. Um, you know, young, exciting, plays a, a, a decent brand of football, um, you know, seen it firsthand with his Leipzig teams last season. Um, you know, they were really, really well organised, well drilled, had a really good way of playing um, and, and whatnot. So Nagelsmann seems to be the one that the club want. Me personally, um, I want Brendan Rodgers. Uh, sorry, Leicester fans, um, but I just want Brendan. I think Brendan is so underrated as a coach and as a manager. Um, I think he still gets a lot of bad publicity because of what happened at Liverpool um, and all that commotion of, you know, the nearly man, the nearly team, that kind of thing. But look at where Liverpool were when he took over. Nowhere near, if you like. I think they had probably, what, one season under Rafa where they came close to winning the league. Um, and ultimately, Liverpool were a slip, if you like, away from winning the Premier League. Um so I know maybe points difference will tell you otherwise, but I think that was the, obviously the key moment that swung the pendulum in, in City's favour that year. We all know sort of what happened there, but I just yeah. think Brendan is just so underrated. I look at the job he, like I say, the job he did at Liverpool, the job he then did at Celtic. Now everybody will say, oh yeah, Tim Pot League, only two teams in it. Yeah, but look at look at the difference now between 
Celtic and Rangers, for example, now Brendan's not there. The difference is remarkable. Um, and to go unbeaten in any league is is a it's fantastic huge. achievement. It's huge to win, what was it, double treble or treble treble that he won there. You know, that, that takes some doing to be that relentless constantly yeah. in the pursuit of winning, knowing that, you know, if, if a team beats you, it's like a team's going to raise their game because they're playing you because it's essentially one of their cup finals. Um, again, it's really, really, that's a difficult thing to manage um, and manage for the group of players that he has or he had at Celtic. Um, but the way that they played was just so, you know, refreshing for that league as well. You know, the, the style of football that they played, uh, possession-based, the way they attacked. They had obviously Paddy Roberts on one wing, Scott Sinclair on the other, and they were devastating. You know, they had the other Moussa Dembele up top. They had Odson Edwards. Um, I think his recruitment at Celtic as well was really, really good um, and, and, and whatnot. So, yeah, Brendan is, is my first choice. Obviously, the job he's done at Leicester since going there um, has been really good. Recruited superbly well, trusted in some younger players that Leicester have, had, Leicester have got at the club. Um, and, you know, he's getting the rewards from it. Um, so, yeah, Brendan is the one for me, number one. Um, Nagelsmann's probably in there as well. Um, and then third choice for me is probably a massive wild card shout. Okay. Um, but I'm going with Rafa. Oh, wow. Okay. And, and, the re- and people are going, Rafa, like, really? Yeah, really. Because, again, he took over... At Liverpool, where you know that particular team wasn't exactly the greatest one he inherited, um, and got them within a sniff of winning the league. Um, you know, he's won the Champions League, you know, he won La Liga with Valencia, I believe, um, back in like early 2000s. Um, you know, the job he did at Chelsea, even to a certain degree, um, was, was really, really good. Just I think Rafa's like underrated as a, as a manager as well, like. I think tactically so astute gets any team organized. Um, and I, th- I think he does that by, from the back as well. Um, you know, the job he did at Newcastle was ridiculous by the, like how Mike Ashley didn't just give him a statue, rename the ground after him and everything like that. Just I'd have, if I was Mike Ashley, I'd have, and I think Newcastle fans will probably agree with me on this. I'd have broken the bank to keep Rafael Benitez because he took essentially a championship team and finished 10th in the Premier League. And there was, you know, I spoke to a few Newcastle fans regarding Rafa and it was like, okay, we're having to play this sort of almost that defensive kind of style because he hasn't got the players to do anything else. Like that's all we can do. Like if we opened up, we're just going to get torn apart because we haven't got the players. We're not, the, the squad isn't good enough. Um, and I think as well, what Rafa did, he was really, really good at uniting the fans with the team. And I think yeah. that is something that Tottenham need. We need a manager to come back in and reunite the fans with the team because it's been so disconnected um, over the last 17 months, I think, which was the how long Jose lasted. Um, it's been so disconnected. And we need, we need somebody just to bring us all back on, and be on that same page again like we did with, with Pochettino. Um, it's quite funny because I think if we if we almost need a Pochettino that was at Southampton now, 
um, just to come in and and again that that uniting of the fan base for the team, um, make us almost proud to be Tottenham fans again because it's been a struggle the last seventeen months or so. It's like yes, we've got Mourinho and everything like that, but or we had Mourinho, but it was like okay, but Mourinho isn't Tottenham if that makes sense. Like it was a strange appointment in the first place. Like I remember doing a podcast about it and said that, you know, I didn't necessarily want Mourinho, um, but I gave him a chance because ultimately you want the person in charge of your football club to succeed. So, yeah, yeah I think Rafa, Rafa uh, is definitely my my third kind of shout. So probably Brendan, Nagelsmann and, and Rafa um, for me in terms of who I would personally want as opposed to who anybody else or, or the club would want. No worries. Um, I didn't think of other two names whilst you were going on regarding the candidate candidates. Um, Allegri, in would you think that's a is maybe? I know there would be a language barrier with him um, coming in, but he is like you tactically astute, similar to Benitez. Would you think he could be, you know, someone that could come in? I also had. Um, I really don't know how to pronounce his name, but you mentioned a Pochettino at Southampton, and I thought of the South, current Southampton manager um okay, Ralph Hasenhutl yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah yeah so I think there's also been a few other names that have been banded about but I'll start with um the two mentioned Allegri I don't think one would want it um personally yeah. um I think if he saw the, the state of the squad he'd probably run a mile <laughs> um but yeah I just don't think I don't think Allegri I, I get this sense with Allegri that he doesn't want to work in England I don't know why I just okay. I think like he would rather work somewhere else. Like some okay. other team would just attract him a little bit more. Um, you know, the Bayern job might attract him a bit more than the Tottenham job, if as an example. Um, so yeah, I mean if Allegri turned up, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna moan about it, that's for sure. Obviously, he got fantastic pedigree um and, and, and things like that. So yeah, but I just don't see him. I don't see him. I think it'd be I'm not saying that the other three that I've mentioned aren't going to cost Tottenham a lot of money because they will do. Because you've got certainly if it's Brendan and Nagelsmann, you've got compensation to shell out as well. Obviously, with Rafa, you don't have that. But Allegri strikes me as an expensive manager. Cool. Um, we've just had our fingers burnt with an expensive manager, so I can't see Levy making that same mistake again, especially so soon especially so soon. So I'm, I'm going to rule Allegri out of that one. Hassan Hootal is an interesting one. Had Jose gone a few months earlier, we might be talking about Ralph Hassan Hootal in this conversation a little bit more. Um, I think the job he's done at Southampton, okay, you look at two 9-0 defeats in a year, doesn't bode well for anybody. But I think given the circumstances that he's working under in terms of not having a massive budget at all um you know and that's probably been cut massively this season because of covid and you know he's had a lot of injuries as well which has gone unnoticed and having to bring through academy graduates um so yeah i mean again if ralph hassan hootel was to turn up i don't think it would be uh, an appointment that would be you know it's not going to you're not going to see Ralph Hasenhut will turn up and go, quite yeah, we've got Ralph Hasenhut. So it might just be that, okay, we've got Ralph done. Okay. At Southampton. Let's, let's see what he could do potentially with a better squad of players. 
similarly to Pochettino um, because Pochettino's brand of football was quite similar in terms of energetic, pressing high up the pitch and things like that. Um, And obviously we got the, we got the rewards of it. Um, Just unfortunately, it just wasn't that tangible success in terms of trophies. Um, A few other names that have been mentioned is Maurizio Sarri. Yeah, Sarri, yeah. Yeah, if we get Sarri, that we're in for a tough ride because Sarri ball was tragic, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I you know I wouldn't really want Sarri. Um, Eddie Howe has been okay. mentioned as well. Now, I think Eddie Howe as a coach is brilliant. I think he would almost arguably be better suited to the twenty ones job. Um, has got a really good pedigree of working with younger players, developing players, and you know, sort of moving them on almost. But in his last season, I think his last season at Bournemouth has just dented his chances almost of getting that next job, that next level of job up a little bit. Which is why which is why I think the 21's job, it's a it's a nice environment for Eddie Howe to be in. Um, you know, he's okay, he's not gonna have the pressure of demanding three points every week, but it'll be the a different type of pressure in the sense of right. Okay, yeah, you're going to breeze qualifying because England are top seeds, but then it's about what you do in those tournaments um, and, you know, sort of three games in six days or however many. So that pressure is different and the environment's completely different. And I get that. But I think Eddie Howe, like I say, because of his last season at Bournemouth, falling out with senior pros um, and, and, and things like that, I think that's just, just slightly dented his chances of getting that next level job. Um, yeah quite interesting as well spoke with my my mum on the situation um you know as, as people know mums are always right on things don't doesn't claim to be an expert on football but in my household she is the the football <laughs> expert um and i think she's she's after don carlo to be fair oh wow okay she, she wants don carlo um said his dress sense has uh, gone up a notch as well since being in Liverpool. <laughs> of Liverpool um, but yeah I think I, w- I mean at the time of us pointing Mourinho I think Don Carlo was just on the verge of leaving Napoli um, so but I mean yeah like Don Carlo would be a dream I, again sure. similar I think the difference between Carlo Ancelotti and Mourinho despite the fact they're both big personalities is that Don Carlo is a bit more I wouldn't say humble but less likely to make everything I'm not saying make everything about him but Mourinho lets you know who he is what he's won and his CV Ancelotti's like okay yeah I've won this but I'm here now um you know he's gone into Everton and all of us like how he's managed to get into Everton by the way is ridiculous because he probably should have gone to I think Arsenal should have probably got him um so credit to Everton the board there for getting somebody that has literally won everything in the game um, to rock up at, at Everton Football Club who haven't won anything really for 25 years um, and is now you know getting them into slowly but surely getting them sort of back to where they were if you like under under Moises in a different way um, yeah. but I think again would be an expensive one because he's, he's on a fort he's probably on a fortune at Everton to be honest um, but yeah Don Carlo again could be a, a wild wild card okay um, so, yeah, but I think, like I say, Eddie Howe and Sarri and Allegri are probably, probably no-goes. Um, but I think, I think as, as well at Tottenham now, we've got to be realistic. Like, 
do we go for someone who is such a big, big person? Or do we go for somebody that, okay, still has a, a, a big enough personality, but actually wants to come in and, and just perhaps steady things? And I think, I think as well, what one thing that let Jose down was it, it almost felt like a lack of coaching sometimes. Okay. Lack of coaching, like the, the amount of state mistakes we're making at the back. And it's like, you're not, you're not going to coach this back four. Is anybody not going to coach this back four and just work religiously on them? Like, and just work on defending, defending, like, right. If this happens, you need to be here. You need to be here. You need to be. And just little bits like that. Like, I just think there was that sense of the responsibility almost at times was led too much on the players. And there was no consequence, if you like, for what they did for certain players. Yeah. Um, you know, Sanchez has been short of confidence all season. Is there not a way you can put your arm around him and tell him and make him feel like he's the best centre-half in the world? Because then all of a sudden he's going to feel 10 foot tall and he's probably not going to be making these mistakes. Like Eric Dyer has been absolutely, he's living up to his name. Again, you're not going to put his arm around him and say, look, I know you're having a bit of, you know, you're struggling a little bit at the time. Just remember, you know, how good you were when you came back into the team at centre-half and how solid you were and, you know, and everything like that. All of a sudden, Dyer's been like, right, okay, yeah, yeah, I'm, I can remember that, I can remember that, I need to get back to that, okay, fine. You know, just little bits like that. So I think, you know, as I mentioned earlier, Jose's sort of man management of the squad wasn't the greatest and I think that's ultimately led to, to him sacking. But yeah, for me, like I say, um, probably Brendan, Nagelsmann and Rafa, um, please with maybe uh, a sprinkling of Don Carlo if we can't if we can't get <laughs> any of those. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, thank you, Wes, for your insight. Thank you for your perspective. Um, that is all for today's episode regarding Jose Mourinho's uh, dismissal. Uh, thank you very much uh, for watching and listening at home. Uh, thank you for bearing with us, obviously, with the international break, but we are, me and Wes are so delighted to be back. Um, so we hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, before we go, uh, please make sure to watch us, uh, subscribe to our YouTube account um, and follow us on all social media platforms at WM32Football. You can also listen to this episode on Spotify as well. Catch us there at WM32Football. Do not forget as well, as you can see me and my uh, uh, Wes are displaying um, our merch. You can go to the shop at www.wm32football.com slash shop. I made sure to practice that because I saw Wes do it for a number of weeks. I was like, yeah, this is easy. But make sure you go to the shop to get your merchandise as well. Uh, Wes, I know there was something that you wanted to share with us as well before we go regarding uh, the soccer schools. Uh, would you like to quickly share with us regarding that as well before we finish the episode? Yeah, so really, really delighted um, to announce that we have our very own uh, holiday camp, football camp, um, which will be running in June. Uh, so from June the 1st to June the 4th. Um, and that is in line with the Jack Collison Soccer Schools for the Milton Keynes area. So if there are any people watching from the Milton Keynes area um, and would like to book your son or daughter, you know, boys and girls are welcome from the ages of four up until 13, then please, 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 um, you know, get yourself signed up. We are Really, really looking forward to it. Um, and we're going to have some some really good fun. Lots of prizes to be won, including signed shirts and, and things like that. So 
yeah if you um check it out on all the social media channels all the information is on there and also information is on our website as well www.wm32football.com brilliant thank you very much wes thank you again everyone for listening and watching at home uh, we hope you stay safe and we will see you next time bye-bye see ya